Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Bible, who brought their Bible? We're going to look at, chap- uh, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 18 and verse 9. I'm going to preach. If you weren't here this morning, um, get, uh, get the message. I preached um, a message this morning. Um, I thought I preached really well this morning, so um, you need to get it, and uh, it'll, uh, it'll change your life. And, uh, but uh, now I preached a message this morning called The Miracles at the Gate, and I uh, believe in that, uh, that God's going to unlock miracles in your life. And, and if, you didn't, if you didn't get it, jump on, uh, on iTunes. You can get it on iTunes, um, the, on our podcast. Uh, but I want to continue preaching about prayer today, but I'm going to do a different message in this service to what I did this morning. Uh, but in Luke 18 and verse 9, I want to look at this. Also, he spoke, this is Jesus, speak to par- spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up, this is Jesus speaking, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Come on, how many have ever started praying like that? I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is a parable or a story that Jesus told them about two different prayers. The first prayer is an example of a prayer that God did not answer. A prayer that God did not hear. A prayer that God did not recognise. One of the things that comes up in people's minds, I think so often when we start talking about the power of prayer, is past prayers that people have prayed that feel that those prayers were not answered. When you get up and you talk about the power of prayer, I am someone and this is a church that believes in the power of prayer. We don't believe that prayer is just a religious ritual that we do to mix up the service and change things up a bit. We don't believe that prayer is just something we do just to tick a box. We believe that when you pray in Jesus' name, that things happen, that things transform, that situations turn around. We believe in the power of prayer. But one of the things when you start talking about the power of prayer is I think people, a lot of people, things come up or the enemy perhaps brings a thought in their mind that of times where you prayed for something and it felt like God did not answer your prayer. Where you've prayed and believed for God to do something and it hasn't happened yet. Ultimately, when we're praying, we're not, prayer is not just a, 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 something that we do to release God's magical fairy dust power upon our lives so He does exactly what we want Him to do. What prayer is really doing, prayer is lifting up your situation to God, committing it to God, to His will, His kingdom come, His will be done. That's what it is that you're doing. 
It's ultimately trusting in God more than we trust in ourselves. But what I want to do is I want to give you, and I'm going to really teach tonight. I'm not going to preach for long, I promise. But I want to actually teach you rather than preach tonight. But I want to give you four prayers that God will not answer. Four prayers that God will not answer. When we pray, we need to understand that there's ways in which we need to pray. Jesus was very specific in how he told the Bible and told the disciples to pray in the Bible. But the first prayer that God will not answer is a prayer that is not scriptural. A prayer that is by itself something that you're asking for that is outside of the guidelines of the Word of God. Prayer has to accompany the Word of God. And the Word of God has got to accompany prayer. Proverbs 28 verse 9, it says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. When you make a decision to turn your ear away from the Word of God, the Bible says that He does not hear your prayer. Your prayer is an abomination. God will not hear that prayer of someone who is not hearing and listening and obeying the Word of God. If you're praying for your boss and you hate your boss and you pray, Lord, will you kill my boss? Guess what? It's not a biblical prayer. Shock horror. If you are praying, and a more realistic example, if you are praying and you're a single person and you're praying for that person, that, that little lady that comes cruising into church every week and she just catches your eye or that hot piece of man that's in church every week and you know, you know that you're called to marry him. You know that that's the person and you're praying about it and you pray and you say, Lord, speak to their heart and convince them to love me and be attracted to me. Let me tell you something as great and as spiritual that sounds, it's not a biblical prayer. God has given us something called our own choice and our will. You cannot pray something like that. It's outside of the confines and outside of the direction and the boundaries that God has given us in His Word. We have to understand that, as I said, prayer accompanies, goes alongside the Word of God. If we are not living our life based on the Word of God and praying that God would help us in situations that we're not living according to the Word of God, then those prayers cannot help us. If I'm someone who prays and says, Lord, keep me from sickness, keep my body healthy. Guess what? If I'm not living by the Word of God that tells us that, I, that, that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and I need to look after my body, then the Lord is not going to hear my prayers when He says, God, keep my body from sickness. You've got to be careful. And this is practical, I know. But you've got to be careful. You've got to watch what you put in your body. If you're crushing six Twinkies for breakfast every single morning and praying, Lord, keep me from getting sick. Guess what? That prayer is not going to be answered because you're not living by the Word of God. I know that's practical and I'm not against Twinkies in my heart. But what I'm saying is it's a practical example of how the Word of God actually guards us and protects us. The Bible talks about us being disciplined, about us guarding ourselves, guarding our bodies. It says that our bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. But also we in Romans 12 verse 1, we have to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And I'm not saying, in my heart, I'm not saying all sickness does not happen because of diet related. But so often I believe diet has a huge part of it 
has a big thing to do in it. We have to understand that God has given us guidelines to live by. If we are praying one thing, but living another thing, we restrict God's prayers from being able to operate in our lives. If you're praying over a rebellious teenager that's losing their temper at home and going crazy, you can pray over that teenager, pray for peace. But understand the Bible says that a soft, uh, the Bible says that a soft word, a harsh word stirs up anger. If you're a parent and you're speaking harshly to your child in your home, you are stirring up anger in the home. So you can pray against the anger, but if you're not living according to the Word of God, your prayers become of no avail. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's screw- We've got to understand that when we pray prayers, those prayers have got to be according to Scripture. The other prayers that God will not answer is a prayer that has wrong motives. Wrong motives. When we pray, Lord, bless me. Why do you want to be blessed? When we're praying, Lord, grow the business. What is the heart? What is the motive? What is the motivation between wanting that business to grow? Is it so that God would get the glory or so you would get the glory? Is it when we're praying for someone, we see people at church sometimes, if we're praying for someone, we're saying, God, would you move in their life? Do you want God to move in that person's life so that when He does, everyone will look at you and think you are so spiritual because you were the one that ushered in the move of God? Those people that come up to you in the prayer line and they push you on the forehead because they want you to fall over. You're standing there like, what the heck are you doing? Get off me, you crazy. People that want something to happen, because there's a wrong, there's, what is it? It's a wrong motive behind what it is that is happening. John 15 verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, abide in me, live in me, His will, His ways, His purpose, and my words abiding you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. But it's only done for the person that is abiding in Him and His will for their life. It's praying with a right motive. God, give me a spouse. Are you praying that with the right motive? God, give me success. God, would you open doors? Open doors for me. Put me on platforms. God, grow me. Give me success. Understand, all of these things are great to pray and God will answer them, but only if the motive is pure. And a pure motive is all about God getting the glory and not us. Some of us are pushing and striving and praying and praying and praying. You are wasting your breath and time if you are praying for something that is all about you getting glory and not God. We have to make sure that the motive behind our prayers are right. Are we praying for something that has actually become an idol in our life? Anything you desire more than Him is an idol in your life. You can be praying for something. You can be praying parents. You can be praying for your kids. Praying that God would bless them. Praying that they would come back to the Lord. Praying whatever it is over them. And you can pray and you can pray. But what you can do is sometimes you end up desiring what it is you're praying for more than you desire the God that you're praying to. And whatever it is that you desire more than Him becomes an idol in your life. There's a verse in Ezekiel. Few verses in Ezekiel that I want to read. Ezekiel 14 verse 1 to 5. Now some of the elders of Israel came to me. And sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son son of man, these men have set up idols in their heart. 
and put before, he's talking of churchmen. He said they've set up idols in their heart and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Further down, skip down, further down it says, and the Lord says, I will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. They are estranged from me by their idols. It is so easy for us in church to set up idols in our life. If you're a single person here and you are believing for that spouse, that right person to come along, be very careful that that right person does not become an idol in your life. Because Paul talks about idols and when Paul talks about idols, he puts it pretty harshly. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 19, Paul says behind every idol actually is a demon. And Paul actually talks about it. You can actually, this is what you can do. If you're believing for a spouse, you can pray and say, Lord, bring that person, bring that person. And you pray and you pray and you pray, but you are desiring that person to come more than you're desiring the God you're praying to. You elevate that person to become an idol in your life. Then the idol speaks to you and you think you've heard from God and you think that's the person God's called you to marry. This is something that happens in church a lot. And then people go around saying, God spoke to me and I'm called to marry that person. No, He didn't. God never spoke to you about that person. You just made them an idol in your life. Now the idol's talking to you and you think it's God and now you're in deception. We've got to be very, very careful to keep our motive and our heart right when it comes to our prayer life. Is making sure that we are praying prayers that God hears and prayers that God listens to. When we talk about wrong motives, a wrong motive can be a lack of motivation. Are you praying for something that you're not really motivated about? Are you praying for something haphazardly? Are you praying for something apathetically? Is prayer just something you throw up every now and then to God to just see if it'll happen or not? We've got to decide that we're going to pray for things and we're going to believe it with our heart. It's going to be something that stirs our heart. If your prayer doesn't move you, then it doesn't move God. In Matthew 7 verse 7, we're told to ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. That's the model. That's one of the models that Jesus gives us in regard to what we're praying for. Are you someone that perseveres in prayer? The story of in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, it talks about Hannah's prayer. You remember Hannah in the Bible, she couldn't give, have children. And, and she was the, uh, the wife of Elkanah. And, and she, uh, she had, uh, there was a, he had another wife, Peniah, and she was having children. And Hannah couldn't have children. And the Bible says that Hannah went into the temple and she was praying. And it says in verse 10, it says, and she was bitterness. She was in bitterness of soul, the Bible said. Interpretation is heaviness in her soul. She's coming before God and she prays. And she's asking the Lord to give her a child. There was a heaviness, a weight in her heart. When you come before God in prayer, whatever you're believing for during this fasting season, is there something that's heavy on your heart? I want to tell you, God responds to someone that gets with Him in prayer and it's, it means something to you. It's stirring. Your heart is stirring for what it is that you're believing for. You're carrying it. It's a burden. It's not just, you're not just haphazardly. It's not just an afterthought to you. These are the type of prayers that I believe grab the attention of heaven. When God looks down and sees someone that is desiring, I believe God's looking for a church that has a heavy burden to see a revival.
I believe God's not looking. God will not respond to a church that revivals something. We just throw up and say, God, do a revival. That would be cool. But it's something that we get on our knees before God and say, Lord, would you pour out your Spirit upon our city? God, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and light a fire inside of us? Would you do a work in our heart that is great? It's having that burden. Do you, are you someone that has that burden on your heart when you pray? The other prayer that... God, that, that, God, that God will not hear is a prayer from a heart that is not living right. When I'm talking about this, it's not that prayers help us to live right, yes. But I'm not talking about prayers that praying to help us live right. But I'm talking about living right that helps us to pray. The Bible talks about this in 1 Peter 4 verse 7. It says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Look at this. For the sake of your prayers. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. What's that mean? That's what he's, what he's saying is if you are not self-controlled and sober-minded, it's going to affect your prayers. It's living right. Making a decision that I'm going to actually live right. If you are not living right, if you are willfully living in sin, I'm not talking about you make a mistake and your heart is repentant, but I'm talking about willfully living in sin on one hand, then getting with God and expecting God to hear your prayers on another hand. God will not hear your prayers. First Peter, 1 Peter 3 verse 7, this is talking about husbands and their wives. In regard to how you treat your wife, being understanding, giving honour to your wife, it says that your prayers may not be hindered. That's a powerful verse. Husbands, it's saying that if you're not honouring to your wife, caring to your wife, it will hinder your prayers. God will not listen to your prayers. Wives, nudge your husband. Make sure he's listening, taking notes. These things, how, how we live, the point I'm making is how we live matters. I don't care how spiritual your prayers may be. You can come into church, you can get down the front, you can find a little square piece of carpet and the altar, you can cry, weep, you can fast till you're skinny as a rake. But if you are not living right, the Bible says God will not hear your prayers. It doesn't matter how spiritual you may look. Man looks on the outward appearance, God, the Bible says, but God looks upon the heart. God sees what's going on. And if you want to be someone that send up prayers to usher in breakthrough in your life, you've got to make a decision that you're going to live right, that you're going to live according to the Word of God. It's not going to be this half in, half out, this watered down, lukewarm. Christianity is not a smorgasbord where you can just grab a little bit of what you want when you want it. It's making a decision that I'm going to live by the Word of God, I'm going to take all of it. It's not you take all or none at all. It's making a decision. I'm going to live right because when you live right, what it does is it helps empower you to pray right. You get a boldness. That's why the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. You will step into your prayer closet in a bold with a boldness upon you to knock down and declare things over your life and go against hell. But you've got to make a decision that you're going to live right. Live according to the Word of God. In Psalms 34, verse 13, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You've got to make a decision that is praying 
from a heart that wants to do right. A heart that wants to live right. Not a heart that's running in the world, just living crazy and turning up every now and, you know, whenever you sort of feel like it and then making, trying to pray every now and then. He's getting with God and saying, Lord, would you, Lord, would you cleanse me? God, would you wash me clean? God, would you, would you do a work in my heart? I want to live right so that my prayers, so that you would hear my prayers. The third prayer, the, the, the fourth prayer that God won't answer is a prayer from a heart that has unforgiveness. Psalm 66, verse 17, I cried to him with my mouth and he was exhorted with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Matthew 5, 23, it also says, so if you're offering your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. This is God saying, listen, you, I mean, you come, do worship, sing the songs, dance, jump around, do your thing. But I don't care nothing about that if you've got something in your heart towards someone else. God says, go, forget all this. God says, forget worship, forget prayer, forget all of the spiritual churchy stuff. God says, you need to go and get your heart right with that person. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, the Lord will not hear your prayers. Unforgiveness is not an option, it's a necessity. We've got to make a decision that we're going to allow the Holy Spirit. Do we want to do this real or not? We're, taught we're, in a prayer, we're in a fast, praying and fasting. Do you want to see God do what it is that you're praying for? If so, you need to get your heart right and not allow unforgiveness in your heart. You cannot allow that in. It will affect you. It will affect what God has called you to do. It will affect where you go. It will affect your future. Some of you have gone through difficulty and people have hurt you and you have every reason in the natural to be upset still towards that person. But you have to understand when we stepped into who God has called us to be through Jesus Christ, we gave off all of our rights. We don't have a right anymore to be hurt. And we have to go, we've got to get that right. We've got to deal with that. You've got to deal with it. Speak to that person. Ask for that repentance if it's possible, if that's going to work. But if not, if they're not in your life, forgive them in your heart. Get with the Lord and say, Lord, help me to forgive this person. For some of you, it's perhaps someone that you thought you've forgiven. But now you've got to revisit. I found unforgiveness can be like that. You've got to revisit it every now and then. You've got to get in the presence of God again and the Lord will remind you and say, you know what, it's still there. Sometimes the hurt can run so deep, it's little bit by little bit. you just got to get down and it takes a little bit of time to get down into it and dig that thing up. Unforgiveness, it's, it's not saying that you were not hurt in your past. It's not saying that that person didn't do you wrong. You've got to understand forgiveness won't change your past, but it will certainly change your future. When you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to forget. I'm going to cut myself off from this. I'm not going to allow. Why would you want that? Why would you allow that? If it affected you, if it hurt you back whenever it happened, why would you let it affect you anymore? Why are you going to let that thing affect and hold back your prayers? What it is you're praying, what God has called you to do and your family to do. You've got to cut that unforgiveness off, leave it at the altar and say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you do a work in my heart? Help me to forgive. 
You pray that, I'm telling you, the Lord, the Holy Spirit will help you to forgive. I've had this happen to me before when I was praying. It was actually while I was praying and it came to me. The Lord spoke to me and I was praying and, and I was walking up and down my room and the God, God spoke to me so clearly about this guy. that You know, in my past that, you know, I had a thing with and I was bitter toward and it didn't end well. Man, and that was like all of a sudden in the middle of prayer, don't you hate it when you're praying and you feel real spiritual and then God speaks to you and you realise you got some stuff that you need to deal with and that you need to sort out? I remember where I was standing. I remember as soon as God spoke to me, I got my phone and I rang this guy. I'm telling you, the atmosphere shifted the moment. I said, man, will you forgive me? I want to just get this right. Forgive me. God will not hear your prayers if there is unforgiveness in your heart. And the last prayer that God will not hear is a prayer with no faith. A prayer with no faith. Do you believe what it is that you're praying for? Are you someone that is so full of faith for what you're believing God's going to do during this fast? In James 1 verse 5 to 7, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's the Bible speaking. You will not receive. He says you will not receive anything from the Lord if you're somebody that's full of doubt. We've got to be people that are so full of faith. How do you get faith? You get faith through reading the Word of God. It's real plain and simple. People can say, man, I want greater faith. Read the Word. Faith comes through knowing the Word of God, having the Word of God in your heart. Do you believe what it is that you are praying for? When you pray, God, would you bless my family? God, we pray a spirit of lack be broken, that we would step into blessing. Do you believe that God is going to do that? You've got to have a faith that believes. You've got to have a faith inside of you in the midst of all challenges and in the midst of all obstacles. You're someone that has a rock solid faith grounded in the Word of God that says, Lord, I believe that you're about to do this in my life. I love the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus is walking through the town. He's surrounded by multitudes of people, the Bible says. Multitudes of people. And Jesus had a reputation for healing the sick. So, so often when multitudes of people were around him, it was multitudes of sick people. But in this story of the woman with the issue of blood, we don't hear talk of anyone else in that group being healed. We don't hear of anyone else in the crowd being healed except for this one woman. I love this woman. I love the faith that she had. I love the desperation that she had. This is an example for us of how we need to approach the Lord as we come to prayer. Are you someone that reaches out the same way this woman reached out with the issue of blood? She reached out to touch and the Bible says that she said to herself, if I would just be able to touch the hem of His garment. That's the type of faith that we need. Another story of faith is the centurion. You know the story of the centurion in seven, uh, Luke 7 verse 8. When Jesus is going to go to the centurion home, the centurion says to him to heal his servant. The centurion says to Jesus, don't worry about it. He says, for I am someone unset under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go and he goes and another come and he comes. 
And to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marvelled at him and turned to the crowd that followed him and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have, have I found such faith. Ayub, do you believe whatever it is that you're praying for? You're praying for healing. If you're praying for breakthrough, if you're praying for the Lord to come and restore your marriage or restore your family, do you believe that God is powerful enough to speak to your kids that are in rebellion, running away, living in the world, living in deception? Do you believe that God is powerful enough to speak to them wherever they are and bring them home? What is faith? Faith is seeing it. I like to describe it like this and kids can come. I'm going to finish. I like to describe faith is when you can see it in your spirit. And you can see it in your spirit. Even as I'm speaking right now and, and talking about the different things that people are perhaps praying for and believing for. Can you see it in your spirit? Is it something that stirs within you? When we talk about miracles, is it something that's stirring within you that says, I can see God doing that? I can see God touching my physical body and I can see myself being healed. Is it something that you have stirring within you? Those of you that, that are single and you're praying and, and you're believing for that right person. You get it. Do you have it in your spirit? Or is there so much doubt and unbelief? Sometimes doubt and fear can motivate our prayers. That's an example of wrong motivation. Fear should not motivate our prayers. Faith motivates our prayers. It, it, it has to be a faith and a belief that God is about to do what it is that you're praying and asking for Him to do. Not a fear of what will happen if God does not do this. Can you see it? Can you see it in your spirit? Because I want to pray, and I know this is a, is, a, is a teaching word for us, but this is fundamental things that we have to understand. And I want to give us an opportunity to pray tonight and ask the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, would you come and would you show us where there are things, perhaps things that have come in our heart. Show us, Lord, where maybe there's a motive that's not completely right. I find that sometimes we can slip in and out of it. Lord, would you come and set our motives right, set our heart right, that we would step into what you have for us, not for our glory, not that we would be lifted up. God, I pray, you know, I always pray that prayer over my life, Lord, that you'd keep as, we, as our church is, is growing and God is doing things and, and, and it's awesome. But I can't, I'm constantly praying and I'm saying, Lord, would you, as you grow the church and do powerful things, Lord, that it wouldn't be the desire in our hearts that we would be lifted up or that the name of Free Chapel would be lifted up. God, I pray that it would be the name of Jesus. That when people leave our services, people, are, people talk about Jesus. People don't leave talking about a preacher or a worship leader or a band or even a church. That people would leave saying, I encounter Jesus. Something happened in that service. I got a touch of Jesus. I got a touch of the presence of God. I encountered something that's greater than me. God will hear prayers where the motivation is that He would be lifted up and that He would get the glory.
And right across this room, I want every person, all of us to stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.